0: This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Sitting is good. Sitting is good. All right. Good to see all you this morning. How you doing? I don't I don't want you to get lulled to sleep by the romantic the romantic voice that I have. Stay with me today. Let's lock in. I've got a really, I really believe this word is going to be powerful for you. I really do. And I've seen God move throughout this entire weekend. And I believe one of the reasons why I've kind of experienced the attack I've experienced in my health this weekend is because this is a powerful word for our church. And so, um, So I just lock in, get ready. If you've got your notes, get your being transformed journals out, get out whatever you're going to write on. If you want to follow along, I'm going to go through a lot today. I'm going to cover a lot. And uh, all my notes are in the new song app. And uh, I'm going to teach you a model of prayer that I think is really going to help change your life today. We've been in this series. We're in week three of this series called fill the earth, right? Somebody say "fill fill the earth. And we've been talking about this, this mission that God has given us. And our role within this mission, our teaching text for this, this, uh, this series is Genesis one 26 says, then God said, let us make man in our own image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all, uh, the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Aren't you grateful that God's given you dominion over the creeps? (laughs) So God created man in his own image. Man, this is nasty. I don't know what this is, but it's nasty. But it's helpful. It's, na- it's nasty, but it's helpful. <laughs> I don't drink it's some kind of tea. I don't know. Whatever. These people tell me i got to take stuff, so I do it. <laughs> Where was I? Then, verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, and this is our assignment, be fruitful and multiply. And here's what we're really focusing on. Fill the earth. Somebody say, fill the earth. Fill the earth, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's original intent was he creates this place called Eden. He sets man in it and he gives them a mission as his image bearers to expand expand the, expand the Eden into the rest of the world until the whole world becomes a resting place for the presence of God. And the same mission and vision God had in the beginning is the same mission and vision he has for us today. He wants us to fill the earth, to, to bring about his kingdom, rule and reign. As Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God still desires to do. So let me refresh you in what we've talked about over the past couple weeks. We started off uh, in week one talking about the Eden between the Edens. We talked about how God created an Eden in the beginning, that someday there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to step into uh, Eden once again. But in between those two Edens, there is this Eden that God has created and set into each one of our hearts. Now, because of Jesus, we are the place where the presence of God lives. And God's intent is that we would take the eden within us we would take the it is good that resides within us and we would expand that into the rest of the world and bring about his kingdom rule and reign we are uh we are um this the the sacred place of the lord we're the priests of the lord today right you guys remember that and so as priests our our job is to connect people with god and connect god with other people that's our job as, as kingdom priests in this world today. So Eden, even though Eden was lost, the desire of God still exists. And it's our role in between the Edens to be the Eden to the world. In week two, um, Sarah talked about how worship fuels mission. Wasn't that a great message last week? And that in this fill the earth assignment, that, that God has called us to be missionaries. And one of the ways that we fulfill the mission is through worship. Uh, Sarah said that you look like what you look at, remember? And one of the things that we do through worship is we we set our gaze, we set our attention on the Lord. And the more we focus on Him, the more we start to look like Him in this world. And I love what she said about how we are like icons for the Lord. You guys remember that? That like the icons on your desktop that you double click on those and when you click on those, it opens up programs and it opens up all these opportunities in the same way as the people of God living in this world today. God's desire is that when people kind of bump up against us, when they double click on our life, that what would open up to them is the image of God in, a, in, in his image bearers. So today I want to talk to you about prayer. And maybe you would say, man, it feels like we talk about prayer a lot here at New Song Church. Well, yeah, we do. And that's because prayer's a big deal. And uh, as a church, not only do we want to be a church full of people who pray, but we want to be a praying church. We want to be a church that fills the earth. And one of the great ways we do that is through prayer, through intercession. So if you're a note taker, I'm calling this message the Proximo Purpose of Prayer. The Proximo Purpose of Prayer. A prayer. Somebody say proximo. And um, what I want to do is I want to help you see how we draw closer to God in our prayer life. So uh, let's pray over this message and then we'll jump into it. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we come to your word today, we ask you to speak to us through it. We ask that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. I pray that we would receive a fresh revelation of what you want to say today and that we'd walk away different than how we came in here today. Lord, give us a greater understanding of the power of prayer and what it can do and how to be the intercessors that you've called us to be, Lord. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, Sarah uh, made a statement that I thought was really good. I want to kind of build on it a little bit. She talked about how in the creation narrative that God would form and then he would fill. That God would form something and then he would fill it with something. Let me take that a step further. Anytime God creates anything, he always makes the environment necessary to support it. What he's creating, he does that first. Okay, so you you look back at the creation narrative, and God creates fish, but before he creates fish, he creates the seas, he creates the waters. God creates plants, but before he creates the plants, he creates the soil, he creates the earth. God creates the stars, but before he creates the stars, he creates the firmament that the stars are hanging in. So God makes the environment necessary to support what he's creating, and he does that first. Okay, so make sure you're tracking with me. God made the water, then he made the fish. God made the soil, then he made the plants. God made the firmament, then he made the stars. Okay, so let's continue with this this idea. He made Eden, and then he made man. He made humankind. So using this same kind of logic, we see that fish need water, plants need soil, stars need firmament, and guess what? You need Eden. Now, Eden is not a garden location that we're we're necessarily just trying to get back to that, Eden really represents the place of the presence of God. And so that's what you need. You need to be in the presence of God. The presence of God is absolutely necessary to you being who God created you to be. If you take a fish out of water, it malfunctions and it dies. If you take a plant out of the soil, it malfunctions and it dies. If you take a star out of the firmament, it becomes a meteorite, burns up, malfunctions, and dies. If you take a a man or a person or a human out of Eden, what we see in scripture is that they die, they malfunction, and they start to kill other people, i.e. Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel. And so, so God put man in Eden, And Eden was an environment of pleasure and delight for him to live in. In fact, the word Eden uh, means five things. The Hebrew word Eden um, means it represents five uh, symbols, which represent five words. It's spot, moment, presence, open door, delight. And somebody much smarter than me put all this together and said this. God took the man and put him in a spot for a moment where the presence of God was an open door to heaven. And so, you know, through Jesus Christ, God has done that once again. He's placed us in a spot where we have an open door to heaven, an open connection to the Spirit of God. So you were created by God to live in Eden, and and you were created by God to live in the presence of God, and that's where you are at your best. Now, here's the problem, Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, man sins, man falls. And after this happens... Adam and Eve are exiled from Eden. So they no longer can be in the place of the presence of God like they once were. And now this assignment to fill the earth becomes way more difficult because they no longer can expound the, 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 the borders of Eden because they're no longer in Eden. So God has to do something. This sin issue has to be dealt with so God can dwell among his people again. So God does do something. He creates a remix. Some may say Remix. I will. uh, I'll never forget this moment. I don't know why this is so burned into my head, but um, man, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was 1994 summer, 1994. Anybody around? Summer 1994, 94, right? Mid 90s. Things were were ripping, and um, I was on vacation with my family. I was 14 years old, and this was one of these moments on vacation, and you have these. You know, when you're on vacation. It, it's never just glory to glory, right? There's moments, there's moments, right? And this was one of these moments where I'm in the hotel room. And I'm, I'm kind of hanging out, just kind of waiting for my sister to finish curling her hair. So this, is a, this is a moment. And I'm, I'm flipping around on the TV, just kind of waiting to kind of get to go to the next thing that we're going to do. And as I'm flipping around, I come across this music video. And in this music video, uh, this group has taken this American folk song, and they've remixed it. They've put um, a, a beat behind it, and they've 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 modernized it, and they've sped it up a little bit. And they've taken this song that was traditionally used to just be like on you know front porches and hoedowns, and now it's on MTV. And now it's actually climbing the charts. It's in European clubs and American clubs and climbing the charts. In fact, this song actually rises to the point of becoming the number one song in Europe and number 25 on the U.S. charts. The, The band, and I say band loosely, the group was a group called Rednecks with an X. Super 90s, right? We were slapping Xs on everything in the 90s. It was an extreme season. Rednecks. And the song was called Cotton-Eyed Joe. And now I must apologize, because for those of you who know this song, if you're anything like me, now it's going to be stuck in your head for the next week. And for that, I am truly sorry. This song's a stupid song. has been stuck in my head all week. But I bring this up because it's necessary, because something took place with this. A remix allowed this song to take on new life and go to places that it had never been before. In the same way, after the fall of man in Eden, after sin, God creates a remix of his presence in the form of the biblical tabernacle. And just as the remix of Cotton Eye Joe set a folk song in an urban context, so the tabernacle sets the dwelling place of God in a sinful context. And this is important because understand this, God still desired to dwell among his people. And though he couldn't dwell with them like he once did in Eden, he's still making a way so he can connect with them and so that they can have a relationship with him and be close to him. So through the tabernacle model, what we see is we, we not only see a pattern for how we connect to God in a sinful world, but we also see a pattern that we can model our prayer life after that helps us draw near to God. So what I want to do today is I want to look at the tabernacle and I want to I help you to understand in a greater way what the tabernacle represents and how you can draw to the Lord in a greater way in prayer, all right? I'm going to show you some of the protocols, some of the practices of the priests. Uh, because, by the way, you are a priest, right? You're a kingdom priest. And, and so I want to help you to see how you can draw close to God in prayer uh, like the, the priests did through the tabernacle model. Now, this is really good news. I got some good news for you. You ready? You're, uh, y- yes, church? <laughs> Okay, I know, it's, I know I sound weird, but just stay with me, all right? Um, in, in the tabernacle model, in order for them to be in the presence of God, they had to get everything just right. And if they didn't do it, um, they'd die. Like the high priest, if he goes into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, and he didn't have everything worked out perfectly, he didn't tick every box just right, he drops dead. Now, the good news is that's not the case anymore, praise the Lord. Um, That now, because of Jesus, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That's what Hebrews 4 tells us. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach the throne of grace, notice this, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace when we are in need. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can approach God with confidence, not in that we just got everything perfect, but that Jesus got it all perfect. It's not in what we do, it's in what he did. It's grace, it's unmerited favor. But, but I do want you to notice what it says. Let us then approach, we approach. Or as James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God wants you to pursue him. And one of the things we see in the tabernacle model is this model of of starting on the outside and working our way towards the presence of God, drawing near to Him through these different places in the tabernacle model. So, um, guys, if you would throw that slide up there, this is a this is a rendering of what the tabernacle would have looked like, and uh, as you can see, it's a it's an open tent without a roof on it, and and in that that opening court there there's a couple of items and then there's a tent within the tent and within that tent that tent was actually divided in two between the holy place and then there was a veil and on the other side of that was the most holy place where the ark of the covenant was and that's where uh, the presence of God dwelled among his people. And so the, the high priest would begin at the gates there, you can see at the, at the beginning, and they would work their way closer and closer through this process into the place where the presence of God is. And, and so um, Exodus 25 verse eight says this, have them, this is God talking, have them build a sanctuary for me. And, and watch what he says here. This is so important because this is always the goal for the Lord when it comes to our prayer, our connecting with him, so that I may dwell among them. God always wants to dwell among his people. He's always wanted that. And that's our desire in prayer, is that we would walk away from prayer having said, I connected with the Lord. I met with God. I connected with God. And so back to that picture, we we see this this sanctuary of the presence of God, this place. Guys, throw that back up there. In fact, actually show the, the layout slide for me, if you would. So this is the layout of what it would have looked like. And you can see, I've kind of created this for you so you can see how each piece of furniture, there's these different pieces of furniture that the, the priest would relate to God through. And it's through this model that we can learn a way of praying and relating to God in a greater way. So I want to walk you through this today. You down for that? And teach you how to pray in a, in a greater way today. All right. So the first, the first step... Was entering through the gates. It was just the very beginning. This was called the outer court. It was just entering into the outer court. And this is where you give God thanks and you give God praise. And so at this point, you are just beginning your journey towards the presence of God. It's your desire to be in the presence of God as the high priest. And you start, before you get into any of these pieces of furniture, before you do anything, you start by both giving God thanks and praise. We see this over and over again in Scripture. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, We enter His gates, that's talking about these gates, with thanksgiving and His courts, the outer court, with praise. Here's the point. That as you begin this journey of prayer, that there would be a moment at the very beginning where before you go to God and you start asking for stuff, before you get into the gimme, 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 I need, I need, that there would be a moment where you just stop and you say, God, I am thankful I am grateful for all that you've done for me. Lord, you've been so good. And if you didn't do another thing for me the rest of my life, you've already done enough. Somebody say amen. Amen. You've been so good and I'm so grateful. And I give you thanksgiving and I give you praise. I thank you for all that you've done. I, I just build a list, Lord. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my family. I thank you that I was raised in a, in a, great, in a great home with great parents. I thank you, Lord, for the church that I get to pastor. I just, just start making a list of the things I'm grateful for. I'm thankful for the cross more than anything. I'm grateful, Lord, that you died on the cross to make a way so that I could be saved. I enter his gates with thanksgiving, and praise. I thank him for what he's done. That's thanksgiving. And I praise him for who he is. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. And I praise you that you are my God. You are my father. I praise you for who you are and who you are in my life. You with me so far, church? Okay, the second, uh, the next step in this process would be at this next piece of furniture, which was called the brazen altar. It was this wooden box that had these uh, four horns on it, and it was actually plated with gold and inside of this box there would be a fire and this is this place where the priests would make the sacrifices. this is the place where the lambs and the the different sacrifices were made for the Lord so understand this this would have been a bloody mess there would have been blood all over this spot, blood on the horns, blood around the 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 brazen altar, blood on the ground around the brazen altar. like It it would have been a scene of blood that you would have to walk by on your way towards the Holy of Holies. Michelle Reynolds says, in the temple, the process of sacrifice often likened to the work of butchers serves as a tangible reminder of the gravity of sin. The visual impact underscores the radical nature of God's love in dealing with the messiness of human brokenness. See, here's the thing. You can't approach God with sin, in sin, and blood is what has to be shed for sin. Leviticus 17 verse 11 said, it is blood that makes atonement by the life. Blood is what pays for sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. Tim Keller says the blood of Christ is the bridge that connects sinful humanity with a holy God, providing the way for reconciliation and forgiveness. Aren't you grateful for the blood of Jesus? Jesus came to this earth. God sent his son to be the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all, spotless lamb of God, whose blood was shed on the altar of the cross so that you and I could be forgiven, so that atonement for our sins could be made, so that our, our sin wouldn't just be covered, but our sin would be washed away. Somebody say amen. amen. So grateful for the blood of Jesus. But at this step along the way towards moving towards the presence of God, here's what I want you to see. You had to look at something that had to die on your behalf as you're making your way towards the presence of God, very early on after you're giving thanks and praise unto the Lord, you're reminded that something had to die so you could continue on this journey towards the presence of God. And so here's what I would tell you. The brazen altar represents that we focus on the cross, that we remember the cross of Jesus and the sacrifice that was made at the cross. And church, it would do you well as you begin your prayer walk with the Lord, that you remind yourself Of how grateful you are for the cross of Jesus Christ. That you remember His blood that was shed on your behalf. That you remember that God Himself put on flesh and allowed that flesh to be ripped apart. So that He could make atonement for you. So that you could be forgiven. Jesus did that for you. So we focus on the fact that He was pierced. We focus on the fact that His blood was shed. His flesh was ripped apart. Church, the, the cross means everything. It means everything. In fact, 400 years before the cross, the prophet Isaiah, speaking about the cross before crucifixion was even a thing, says this. He says in Isaiah 53, 5, he says, but he was pierced. That's talking about the nails that that he took that were driven through his hands and, and his feet. He was pierced for our transgression. A transgression is when you cross a line. We transgress. We go further than we should have. We transgress against God. We transgress against God's ways. He was pierced for that. He was pierced. One of the places he was pierced in his hands. Hands represent the work that we do. So Jesus took punishment, representing that he took punishment for the work that we have done in transgressing against God in sin. He made a way so that we could be forgiven. He was pierced for our transgressions. It goes on to say that he was crushed for our iniquities the crushing is represented by the spear that went into his heart And iniquity is an inner issue it's an inner sin but beyond that it's a it's a it's a condition of the soul it's a motivation of the soul and iniquity is that we're, we're jealous it's that we lust it's that we 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 hate it's these things that that reside within our heart and jesus was pierced in his heart so that our heart could be set free from those things that try to dominate us and pull us away from the will of God. He was crushed for our iniquities. It says that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. This is represented by the crown of thorns that was placed on his head. You know, when you're struggling with peace, where are you struggling with peace? It's in your head, right? It's in your mind. We have thoughts that come against us that steal our peace. And, and so Jesus took this punishment on his head, which represents that he made a way so that even in the, the darkest of circumstances, you can ha- still have peace through Jesus Christ. This is good news, isn't it? It says, in, and, and by his stripes, I am healed. That, that through the stripes, that's talking about the scourging that he took on his back. He paid the price so that I could, be, I could be healed, spirit, soul, and body. The, the cross means everything. And it would do you well to remember the cross. Remember the sacrifice that was made and remember what it represents. The nails represent the freedom that you can have from your past. The spear represents the freedom you can have in your heart. The crown represents the freedom I can have in my mind. And the whip represents the freedom in my body. And so we pray into that. Lord, thank you for the cross. Jesus, I'm so grateful for the cross that I deserved death. I deserve punishment for my sin, but you took that for me. And now through your, the work of the cross, I find freedom. I find life. I find peace. I find everything. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Aren't you grateful for the cross of Jesus Christ? From there, you would approach the next piece of furniture. In the outer court, it was a bowl that was called a laver. The laver was this place where the priest, the high priest, would wash up. And it was, it was this bowl that had water in it. And it also was made of, of like mirrors. So it was very reflective. So as you're washing up, you're ceremonial, ceremonially cleansing yourself. You're also forced to look at yourself. And so this is a moment as we're moving towards that. Like that's the goal here, right? We want to be in the presence of God. We're drawing near to God so we can draw near to us. So as we're moving towards the Lord, taking these steps towards the Lord, there's a moment where we examine and we offer we examine and we offer that's what the laver represents John Piper says this just as the priest cleansed himself at the laver, we are called to examine our hearts and offer ourselves in sincerity and truth so we examine ourselves there's a moment in my prayer life every day where I take a moment I say God is there anything in me that needs to be cleaned up because just like I look in the mirror I don't know about you but I look in the mirror and I can see a lot of stuff that's off, right? Uh, we look in the mirror and, and we're reminded that we're not perfect. Anybody perfect in here? God's doing a great work in us, but we haven't arrived yet, right? And so there's this moment of saying, Lord, I, I know that there's probably some stuff in my heart. There's probably some stuff that I'm, I'm holding on to. Maybe there's some agreements that I've made with related to this world that I need to break agreement with. Maybe there's some unforgiveness that I'm harboring. Maybe there's some sin that I'm hanging on to. Maybe there's some, some things that I've done that need to be brought to my attention. And so I'm examining myself, but actually, Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to reveal to me, as I look to you, reveal to me what needs to change within me. And then as God reveals things to me, I get it right. If I need to forgive somebody, I go forgive them. I ask for their forgiveness. Amen, church? If, if, I need, if there's sin, then I confess that unto the Lord and I ask for forgiveness. If I need to go to confess it to somebody else, I go confess what's going on in my heart that needs to be dealt with. I examine myself, and then I offer myself. I offer my life unto the Lord. Every part of my life. My job, my work, my marriage, my parenting, my appointments for the day. Every part of me, I offer it unto the Lord. God, I want to be used by you today, so I offer this unto you today. In fact, one of the things I like to do is actually offer body part by body part my life unto the Lord. I I get this from Romans chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Look at this. This is true and proper worship. So I just take that literally, and I just begin to offer but my body parts unto the Lord. Lord, here's my eyes. I pray that you would give me eyes to see what I need to see today. Lord, reveal what's going on in the world that you've called me to make an impact on, that you've called me to, to, to see and to, to, make, to bring this fill the earth assignment into. Lord, hear my eyes. Help me not to look at things I don't need to be looking at today. God, I offer my body as this living sacrifice unto you. Help me to, to bounce my eyes from stuff that's inappropriate, that's lustful, that's sinful. Lord, hear my ears. I pray that I would hear the call of God today, that I would hear your voice. Your, your sheep hear your voice. So I pray that I would hear your voice today and that you would lead me and guide me by your voice today. Through your word, you'd speak to me. Lord, and help me to hear the cry of the world for you. Help me to hear things. Help me to have ears that hear beyond just what somebody's saying to what may be actually going on in their heart. God, here's my mouth. I offer it as an instrument to be used by you. Lord, let my, my words not tear people down help them build people up. I know that my, my world is formed by the words that I speak, so let my words be in agreement with, with your word today. Lord, here's my, here's my hands. I pray that I would be used by you to do work that doesn't burn up, but that lasts. Use me, God. Help me to be, uh, uh, work hard unto you. Help me to serve you well. I want to serve your kingdom well. I want to fill the earth with your, the kind of work you want me filling this earth with. And Lord, here are my feet. Lead me to brokenness. Lead me to those who need you. Lead me into situations where I can bring your kingdom rule and reign into. Lord, here's all of me. I offer all of me to you. Use me. Have your way in my life. I'm giving you my all. I just offer myself unto the Lord. This is what worship looks like. And I'm telling you, if you start to do this, this is that kind of moving from one degree of glory to the next. You start to do this on a regular basis, offer yourself unto the Lord like this, and you'll start to see some change start taking place in you. So we examine and we offer at the laver. From here, you would step into that, that second tent within the, the tent. And it, as you stepped into that tent, you would arrive at this candlestick. It was a seven-pronged candlestick, and it would be burning with fire all the time and this candlestick would have to be continually being filled with oil and this represents the work of the holy spirit in our life the candlestick is where i invite the work of the holy spirit to help me in my life and it would do you good church in your prayer life if you invited the helper of the holy spirit to walk with you to help you jesus said he was your helper he's going to lead you and guide you in all truth you should invite him into your day I don't know about you, but I can get a lot done, typically. Like, I've got some skill. I've got some talent. All of it I've received from the Lord. But I can get some stuff done. I can accomplish some things. But you know what I've discovered? I can accomplish a whole lot more with the help of the Lord. I can accomplish and do a whole lot better if I invite the Holy Spirit into my life. A.W. Tozer says, just as a candle needs a constant source of fuel to remain lit, we require a continual filling of the Holy Spirit for our spiritual vitality. So at this moment, I just start inviting the Holy Spirit in. And I declare my dependency on Him. I declare, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I recognize, like Zachariah says, it's not by power, it's not by might, but by Your Spirit. that, That what You have called me to do today... In order for me to do it the right way, in order for me to do it the proper way, I'm going to need the Spirit of God working with me and working in me and working through me. And so three things I pray into. Number one, I pray for the, the wisdom of the Spirit. The wisdom of the Spirit. You with me, church? Yes. Isaiah 11 says this. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So I'm about the Holy Spirit. A spirit of wisdom and understanding. A spirit of counsel and of might. A spirit of knowledge and and the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord not, not meaning like we're just terrified of God. It, it's speaking to the idea of a reverence for God. It, it's a recognizing who God truly is. That he is God and I am not. That he is all powerful and I am not. And how desperately I need him in my life. And so I just begin to pray into that. Lord, I need wisdom today. I know that I'm going to face things today. And my, my brain up here is limited I have some knowledge. I have some gifting. But it's limited. There's a point where my wisdom comes to an end. But Holy Spirit, you have all wisdom. You have all truth. And so I pray that you would give me your wisdom today. I would have your wisdom to see beyond what I can just see in my own intellect to the Spirit of God giving me wisdom and highlighting and showing me things that I need to see. Lord, I pray that you would, you would give me understanding that as I enter into, into situations where maybe no one can understand it, I pray that I will have the understanding to understand what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. Lord, I pray that you would counsel me today, that you would be my great counselor and that you would counsel me in such a way so that I can counsel others into what it is you want them to do. And I do all of this under this banner of the fear of the Lord. I want you, God, because I need you, God, because only you are worthy of my praise. Only you are worthy of my life. And with you, I can do so much more than I can do on my own. So I pray into the wisdom of the Spirit. Number two, I pray for the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you've been around New Song Church for a while, you've heard me say this. It's not the fruit of Josh. It's not the fruit of you. Look at the person beside you and say, it's not your fruit. It's not your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so I, that, well, here's what that tells me. I can't manufacture that. I can't make that stuff happen. And if I try to, I'm going to fail. But but through the spirit of God empowering me and strengthening me, I can live from these places. I can walk in in the fruit of the spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to be with me today. I want to I want to operate in the fruit of the spirit. I want to operate in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, Lord. I know I can't do this on my own. I know I can't manufacture that fruit on my own. And so Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and produce that fruit in me. And it's through that fruit in me to the world as I fill the earth that they will taste and see that the Lord is good through my life, Lord. Use me in that way. The third thing I pray for is the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are outlined in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter four and and a good way to think about the gifts of the spirit is they are like spiritual tools Imagine that God has a toolbox, and in that toolbox are the tools that, that you need. Just like when you're doing a, 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 a job at your house, if you work with tools, you know there's different tools we need for different jobs. In the same way, for the assignment, the fill the earth assignment, there's going to be different tools that you need for different days and different moments. And God wants to source you with the spiritual tools that you need, the gifts of the Spirit. But, but in order to have these, you have to desire them. You have to ask for them. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And so uh, we, we ask for the gifts of the Spirit, that God would fan them into flame in my life. So I just pray into that. Lord, I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit, that there are spiritual tools that you want to source to me today. And so, Lord, I thank you that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to operate in words of knowledge today, that I'm going to have knowledge and things I can speak into in the life of people around me that's going to help them and bless them and speak to them. Lord, I pray for increased faith today, the gift of faith. Lord, just like when we moved... To Oklahoma City, we left to the church that we were at in Dallas, the salary that we had to move here. God, you gave us the gift of faith to fulfill our assignment, to take those steps. God, I thank you that you continue to give me the gift of faith as I need it, to do what it is you're calling me to do. I thank you for gifts of healings, for working of miracles. For prophecy, God, that you'd help me to speak, be an oracle through which your words are spoken into this world. I thank you for a discernment of spirits that I'd be able to discern what's going on with people. And if it's more than just uh, an action, but if there's a spirit behind the action that needs to be dealt with on a greater level. Lord, I pray for all kinds of tongues that I would operate in my prayer language today, but beyond just being able to pray in the spirit, God, that I would have, have the ability to interpret these tongues and to, to, to give greater wisdom and insight into what you're saying. Lord, here, here, here's what it comes down to. God, I need your tools. I need your tools. And so whatever I need for the day, I'll take any tool in your toolbox that you have for me today, Lord. You just, you just provide it. I'm asking you for it. You know what I need, and I pray that I'll be able to pick those things up as the, I need them today. In Jesus name we're getting closer to the place of the presence of God from across from that candlestick the next thing would be this table and on this table there would be these 12 fresh baked loaves of bread and it would smell good and they would be warm and it's like you want to butter that bread type stuff anybody 21 days prayer fasting how we doing But, but there, there would be like, and it's on a table. Table represents fellowship. And there's this, there's this attraction to this bread. And this spot on the journey represents, it's called the table of showbread. And it represents partaking in fellowship with God through his word. Tim Keller says this, the bread on the table of showbread is a tangible symbol of the fellowship God desires with us through his word. It's an ongoing banquet of communion and revelation. And it smells good. And you want to eat it, right? You want to, you may love bread. I know I'm being kind of mean right now, but man, bread is so good. Bread like bread. Oh, butter and bread like yes. So good. But the point is this, there would be like this appetite for the word of God that, that, that we would want to pick up his word. This this is the spot in our, in our prayer walk where we pick up the word and we begin to consume of the word. We treat the word like the bread of life that it is. And we begin to pray into Lord. I I don't want to just read your word right now. I want to eat of your word. I want to find the words in your word that, that, that are the fuel that, that lights, lights me up for the assignment you have for me today. Lord, I want to consume your word. I want it to become a part of me that, 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 that breathes life into me. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, not by natural bread, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's talking about the word of God. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I thought we were praying here. Where we are. And if you remember, one of the things that prayer is, is prayer is a conversation with God. And let me just tell you, it would do you well that you take a moment and you allow God, God to speak to you, right? That this isn't just a one, one-sided conversation where you just talk to God and then walk away without taking a moment where you allow him to speak to you but that you take a moment and you consume of what he wants to say through his word. One of the primary ways God will speak to you is through his word. In fact, let me say this. If you want to hear the voice of God, before you will ever hear the voice of God in any kind of other tangible way, you have to get into the word. Because God will not speak to you in any other way if you don't know his word well enough to understand if it's him talking or somebody else. So you got to get into the word. The word is one of the primary ways God wants to speak to you. John Stott says this, the scriptures are not only a book to read, but a voice to listen to in prayer. In seeking God, we find his word speaking life and truth into our situation. So you grab a hold of the word and you say, Lord, speak to me through your word. And, and, and beyond as I read the word and study it and I'm allowing God to speak to me through his word, I'm also taking up his word. Because I recognize that there's an enemy that is, that is against me today, that wants to battle me today. His name is the devil, and he is coming after every one of you. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talking, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is scheming against you. And you got to take a stand. And so then Paul begins to outline these these defensive pieces of armor that we need to put on. In verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation. That's another defensive piece. And then we see the offensive piece. Look at this. And the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. And look at this, verse 18. And pray. We take up the Word of God and we we begin to pray. We know it. And we begin to pray the word. You you remember Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is in the wilderness, right? And the enemy comes against him. And the enemy is is scheming against him. And he's bringing against him lies and half-truths. And how does Jesus combat these lies? He uses the word of God. He takes up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And he countered all of Satan's attacks by scriptures from the word because the word of God is a powerful spiritual force and it would do you good to get into it and to know what it says so that when the time comes, you can allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of God's word so you can speak it into those situations and and use it and wield it as the sword that it's called to be in your life. So we fellowship with God through his word. We allow God to speak to us through his word and we use God's word as an offensive weapon against our enemy. Guys, we're almost there. We're almost into the Holy of Holies. But there's one more stop in, in the, this, this area out here before we move into the Holy of Holies. Before we move through the veil, there was one more piece of furniture. It was called the Altar of Incense. The Altar of Incense. It was a small altar that, that had this burning incense that was right there at the entrance of the Holy of Holies. And it was burning with fragrant incense all the time. And the altar of incense represents that we worship his name, that we take a moment and we worship into the names of God. You know, if I had more time, I don't have time, but if I had more time, I could take you through the Old Testament, New Testament, show you all these verses that communicate that incense is something that uh, we give to God through through our worship. Uh, One one verse I'll give you, let my life be a sweet-smelling fragrance to you. And as we worship the Lord, it's this sweet smelling fragrance that goes up and is pleasing to the nostrils of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so this is a place as we're moving towards the presence of God, as we're drawing closer and closer to him, where we, where we stop. And as the Psalmist says, I ascribe to the Lord, the glory, do his name. I worship the Lord and the splendor of his holiness. R.C. Sproul says, In the presence of the altar of incense, we find a sacred space for worshiping his name. It's not just a physical structure. It's a symbol of our hearts reaching out to exalt the greatness of God. This is a spot where we remember the names of God and we remember what they they mean unto us. You know, God God is more than just God to you. Jesus is more than just Jesus. There are these other names that we see given to the Lord and they 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 give us a greater revelation into who God is, what God's about, and in understanding them it draws us closer to them. My my best friend in the whole world is my wife Sarah. And she's Sarah to me. But beyond being Sarah, she's also has a lot of different titles in my life. She's my best friend. She's my food buddy. She's my traveling buddy. She's my lead intercessor. She's my biggest fan. She's my closest ally. And as I begin to think about her in those, in those different titles that she carries in my life, it, it reminds me, it draws me closer to her. Just like there's people in this room that if you begin to think about them and who they are in your life and you begin to start titling, giving them titles for the names that they carry in your life, it's going to make you feel a closeness to them. In the same way, as you remember these names of God, it draws you closer into who he is. And who he wants to be in your life. God is Jehovah Sitkanu. He is my righteousness. My right standing with God is not based on what I do. It's based on what Jesus did. He is Jehovah Makedesh. He is my, my, my sanctifier. I am sanctified unto the Lord through Jesus Christ. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He wants to heal me. He wants to heal you. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He wants to provide for me. He wants to provide for you. He wants to make a way so that I'm not lacking or in need. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's my banner of victory. He always goes before me and leads me into victory. He's Jehovah Shalom, my peace. I have peace through Jesus Christ. I have peace that can pass all understanding through him. He's Jehovah Ra'ah. He's my shepherd. He wants to lead me. He wants to guide me. He wants to lead me beside still waters. He wants to lead me into green pastures. Psalm 1810 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Smart people run into the tower of the names of the Lord. They take the time to remember the names of the Lord and run into the tower of protection that that brings to us. Priscilla Shire says this, she says, praying the names of God is an intimate encounter with the divine. Each name unveils a layer of his love, grace, and power, transforming our prayers into a sacred dialogue with the creator. So now we we are about to enter into the Holy of Holies through the veil. And like I said earlier, when the priests would go into the Holy of Holies, they had to have this all just right. In fact, they would actually uh, tie a rope around the priest's leg and they would wear this belt of bells when they would go in. And the purpose was if they went in and they didn't get everything right, they were going to drop dead. And so this rope would extend its way out of the tent and uh, the other priest would be outside the tent listening and if they didn't hear the bells anymore, they would know like, oh, high priest is dead and they would drag him out by the rope. It got real, real quick. (laughs) But, but here's the good news. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil was torn in two. And I remind you of that because here's, here's the point I want you to see. God doesn't want there to be any obstacle between you and you entering into his presence. This, this whole process that I'm walking you through a prayer is not saying if you don't do all this, you can't step into the presence of God. We can step boldly into the presence of God. It, it's really about positioning your heart So that you can pray what needs to be prayed and draw near to God the way he wants you to draw near to him. That's what this is all about. That's what I'm trying to communicate to you. And so the the high priest would, would walk through the veil and they would enter into the place of the presence of God. Now they're in the room with the Ark of the Covenant. This golden Ark with these winged cherubim on top of it. Their wings pointing towards each other. If you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what's up between those two wings was what was called the mercy seat and that was the the place where the presence of god would reside that was the place where when the priest came in he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice now here's what i want you to see the whole point of the high priest going into the holy of holies was not so he could get in there and have goosebumps Like the whole point of him getting in there was not, he walks in, he goes, okay, God, I'm here now. Now you can love on me. In the the church that we find ourselves living in today, there's a lot of people, and, and listen, understand this. God wants to love you and God will love you because God is love. And in his presence, he is going to love on you. That is true for sure. But the point is not just to get into his presence so that he can just love on us alone. When the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he had a job to do. And let me remind you, you're a high priest, right? His job was to intercede for those who are not in the room his job was to intercede he's in the presence of god he has access to something not everybody else has access to and so now he begins to intercede for those outside and he begins to plead the blood of the sacrifice and say god they out there need you the people outside of here need you we have access to the presence of god but god has called us to to not just get in the presence so we can have goosebumps but to get in the presence so that we can then intercede for those who don't have access to the presence who haven't made jesus the lord of their life so we go into the presence of god and in that place we start to plead the blood of jesus christ for them and we cry out for mercy we cry out for revival we cry out for god to come and show up in our city in our in our state in our country in our world in our time god needs his people to take up this mantle He needs his people to stand up and say, God, there's a world out there that needs you. The priestly duty was to stand in the gap, to intercede on behalf of the people in the presence of God. It was an advocacy role representing the needs and concerns of the community before the almighty. You were a a lawyer ready ready to argue the case based on the blood. We argue the case for a broken world based on the blood. We invite the mercy of God to move. We invite the grace of God to move. We invite the presence of God to move. We invite God to fill the earth. From our place of the presence of God residing in us, we fill the earth. 1 Timothy 2 says it like this. I urge, the, I urge then, first of all, somebody say first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Somebody say all all is all right all people the kings and those in authority leadership that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness so i pray into that lord i come to you and i step into your presence and i'm grateful that i can draw near to you that i can be in your presence because of the blood of jesus christ And right now, Lord, as I come into your presence, I plead the blood on behalf of those who need it. I pray for those outside of your presence right now. I pray for the lost and broken world, that they would come to know you, that they would find the saving grace of God, and they would step into the reality that Jesus suffered and died to make possible for them. Lord, I lift up our church. I lift you up. I hope you know that. I lift you up. I lift up the families of our church. I pray over them that their marriages would be strong, that divorce would not be something our church is known for, that their families would be strong, that they would train up their children, I pray over your teenagers I pray over your kids I pray over their schools I pray I intercede because God's called me and it's not just me it's all of us we are his high priests and we're called to intercede on his behalf I I pray over authority we 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 pray over uh Kings and priests and authority we pray over civil authority over parental authority I pray that God would have his way and you know I know we gripe about this stuff a lot do we pray do we intercede like we should? Tony Evans says this, the tabernacle model in prayer is not just a personal pilgrimage. It's a pathway to God's heart. It's a call to participate in His redemptive plan to fill the earth with His presence and love. I'm not telling you you have to do all of this in order to be in the presence of God. The whole point of us doing this is so we can pray what God once prayed. The whole point is that we would intercede, that we would examine ourselves, that we would come into agreement and alignment with God's will and his word, that we would fill the earth the way he's called us to, with his presence, that we as the people of God would intercede and behind the scenes, we would begin to do a work that expands the borders of God's it is good into the rest of the world. I'm preaching better than your amen. So here's my challenge to you, church. Be an intercessor because it's what you're called to be. We're we're, we're entering into our final week this week of 21 days of prayer. We're up here every day, midweek, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'm going to invite you, church, to come and to pray with us, to intercede, to join with us as we pray. And I'm going to put this challenge out to men specifically. We need more men praying. So often men, we, we, we hand over spiritual things to women. It ought not be. Somebody say amen. amen. It ought not be. And so I'm gonna challenge you. Well, I got a job. Okay, and you can't, you can't take a break this week? You can't take one lunch break this week to come up and pray. I'm, I'm putting the challenge to you. I wanna fill this place up this week. We wanna break a hundred people in prayer. Someday this week, will you, will you come and pray with us? God needs us to intercede on his behalf. We are His high priests. We've got access to the presence. So let's come into it and let's expand it into the rest of the world. Amen. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for prayer, this amazing tool that you've called us to fill the earth through. And God, I just pray that that we would be a people of intercession that as we look and i just pray that as a as the people of god that as our church that we would look at this model and there's so many other models of prayer lord but that we would take these models and we begin to practice them so that we can draw near to you because your promise is if we draw near to you you draw near to us and that's what we want lord and so god we come to you we ask you to use us to pray the prayers that need to be prayed in jesus name amen i'm gonna invite our prayer team to come down at this time if you have a prayer need of any kind i want to encourage you to come down and pray this weekend don't leave with any kind of prayer burden and there's two things specifically that i would i would like for you to pray over if this if this uh, the holy spirit's stirring this in you the first one is this there's some of you that you know somebody specific that needs to be interceded for and we would love to pray with you to join our faith with your faith to intercede with you for that person by name today to plead the blood we are in the presence of god and we're going to plead the blood on their behalf and ask that god would move in a radical way in their life that he would make himself known in their life through us through someone else that there would be a breakthrough that would take place the other thing is i want to, I want to pray for you some of you i want to pray that you would receive the anointing to be the prayer warrior god's called you to be we are a kingdom of priests And God has called us to be his lead intercessors. It's not just an assignment for certain people. It's an assignment for you. And so some of you, you feel this tug that God is saying, ah, that's that's me. I want to be that intercessor. I want to be a person that's bringing about his kingdom. I can pray. I can pray. God's going to use me to pray. My prayer life is going to go to a whole new level. If that's you, I want to encourage you. We would love to pray with you over that and over anything else that you may need prayer for this weekend. If it matters to you, like we say, it matters to God. And, and that's what this intercession thing is. This is what matters to God, so it's got to matter to us. So, Lord, I just pray that you would draw every person, church. Would you stand with me? Sorry, I forgot to tell you that. Stand with me. Let's just begin to worship the Lord. God, you're so good. You're so grateful. We're so grateful for you. Come on, church. Let's worship the Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We lift our hands to you because you're worthy of our praise. We thank you for all you've done for us. And Lord, I just pray that you would draw every person who needs prayer. Draw every person that you're tugging on their heart. Draw them to receive what you have for them today. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, Go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for Newsong Church OKC in the app store.